Welcome to the Running After 40 podcast, the podcast about all things related to running at 40 and beyond, produced by www.runningwithgrit.com. We help you stay physically healthy and emotionally strong at any running pace. I'm Sarah, your host, and a wife, a full-time working mom with three kids, three dogs, and a lifetime passion for running. Whether you are a veteran runner looking to maximize your times as a master runner or a brand new jogger starting in your 40s, 50s, or any age, this podcast will be there for your journey. I want to share stories, secrets, and strategies for success. This includes mistakes and lessons learned, all related to running past age 40. Let's hit the play button together and hit the roads as runners with grit after age 40. Welcome to episode 31 of the Running After Age 40 podcast. I'm Sarah, your host, and today I'm going to be talking about an article that was just published in Sports Medicine, uh, and it is called The Potential Long-Term Health Problems Associated with Ultra-Endurance Running, a Narrative Review. And so I'm not an ultra runner. I don't even run marathons uh, anymore, but I think that we can take the learnings from this article and apply it as master's runners. So that's why I wanted to discuss this. Uh, The authors are a variety of different specialties in sports science. Uh, They're cardiologists, pediatric specialists, orthopedics, uh, and then just sports science medical doctors. Uh, so they basically discuss and break down, you know, what exactly is ultra running? How popular is it? Uh, but the question really is whether or not repeated bouts of extreme exercise are bad <laughs> or harmful and if they lead to any kind of long-term health problems. And I'll talk about exactly what they define as long-term health problems. But, you know, I think they really address nicely, you know, the the impact that these events can have on younger athletes like on immature bodies and then on masters which with pre-existing conditions uh, that are exacerbated by training and then also specifically on females uh, so let's get started uh, you know and again this doesn't pertain just to ultra runners I'm not an ultra runner but when they are defining that they're defining races that exceed the marathon distance or running time exceeding six hours and uh, they include multi-day or multi-stage events they talk a lot about the popularity and it has increased when they call it, talk about ultra endurance running it's increased over the last two decades um, in 2019 they stated that 669,000 runners uh, participated in more than 7,000 events around the world. And then obviously with COVID, it dropped back down. Uh, but still, it's I think it'll you know creep right back up again. Uh, so what we want to see again is what about these repeated bouts of extreme exercise? Are they harmful? You know, and if so, what are they? When they talk about long-term health problems, what they talk about are specific conditions that are at least one year in duration and limit the activities of daily living or require medical attention. So uh, I think that's important. And and the other part is they define master's athletes in here as those over the age of 35. Uh, so let's get into the actual meaty, uh, meat of the article. And they start with, just a second here because I'm finding my place. Okay. Uh, they start with about how ultra endurance running, like expected, requires high mileage training. Uh, what they say is that average training is between 66 and 83 kilometers per week for endurance athletes. 
Uh, and I think this is, if you take nothing away from this podcast, um, what they state is for very long ultra endurance athletes or events, actual previous experience is even more important than their training. So they're looking at all these different variables. They're looking at peak treadmill running speed, maximal oxygen uptake, average weekly running, all these different things. And they did find that that previous experiences can be more important. Uh, they also compared the influence of training, so training speed and training volume, and then they looked at personal variables like body fat or muscle mass. And what's that, you know, what are those effects on the ultra event performance? Uh, training characteristics were more important so than body fat or anything like that. So overall training speed and training volume were the most important thing. Uh, especially for women, uh, the weekly running kilometers and then the personal best in 5K, 10K, and half marathon were all associated with the ultra performance. But for men, um, they did have, these were different factors, running speed during training, personal best in the 5K and marathon, but then also years as an active runner and body mass index uh, had an effect. Okay. Kind of jumping around in this podcast, but I'm actually going through the article like part by part. I just want to make sure I don't miss anything. So I'm going to move on to the cardiovascular system. And this is a big deal because every once in a while you hear about like a distance runner, a marathoner, you know, dropping and having a heart attack during a race. So what exactly is the risk? Um, there is a dose response beneficial effect in various endurance sports, including running. Uh, and they state that chronic endurance exercise training has a substantial structural and functional impact on the heart. Uh, but they, you know, they mentioned these different things, arrhythmias, sinus node dysfunction, and then uh, high coronary artery calcium scores. And then they state that the significance and consequence of such alterations are still debated. Uh, what's interesting is they talk about the endurance athlete's heart. So I think if you think of this, what you see is you see this eccentric remodeling of the left ventricle, and then you see a large increase in the size of the right ventricle and the atria. And that is because you've got that higher wall stress in the right ventricle than the left ventricle during exercise. So that remodeling is, you know, it's, it goes along with the development of that maximal aerobic power. Uh, so I think that's pretty interesting. Um, they talk about, you know, the prevalence of left ventricular myocardial fibrosis in apparently healthy marathoners compared to matched sedentary counterparts. Um, they talk about just specific MRIs looking at the fibrosis. Um, and they said that the fibrosis in the left ventricle doesn't appear to have any kind of like issues long term but if there's fibrosis in the right ventricle or the atria it's clearly associated with potential adverse events um highly trained endurance male athletes in particular uh, can have atrial arrhythmias specifically atrial fibrillation um, and they said that that usually happens after several years of training and it's three to five times higher than with sedentary athletes um and, you know, the overall risk, I would say, for extra, and not I would say, they say, the overall risk for exercise-related atrial fibrillation is very low. Um, but they did say there's a U-shaped relationship with lifetime accumulated high-intensity endurance training. So I think it's worth noting that. 
Um, they also said that there is a high prevalence of CAC scores um, compared with sedentary scores uh, controls, but that the atherosclerotic plaques are calcified and stable in athletes. So even though they might have the plaques, they're actually more stable than the general population and less apt to rupture. So I thought that was um, a good good news. But what they state is a high CAC score might poorly predict future coronary events in athletes. Okay, um, moving on to the respiratory system. Uh, not a whole lot of specific things, you know, to note here, but they do talk about exercise-induced bronchoconstriction. Uh, and they talk about that that might be why people after ultra events sometimes do have acute lung function decline. Um, and that's especially if they're in the cold and the dry air. Uh, and then what can happen long-term, you can have uh, asthma-like symptoms and uh, just for a long period of time after a race. So I thought that was interesting. Um, they said usually that's in races that are 100 miles or longer. Uh, and so, you know, pulmonary edema can be a normal response to strenuous endurance exercise, but the short or the long-term consequences of repeated occurrences are currently unknown. Okay, musculoskeletal, uh, I mentioned this, I did a whole podcast on this before, so I'm not going to focus too much on this. I don't think it's anything surprising, like there's a high prevalence of injuries in ultra events. Um, you know, they state that recreation, recreational running in general may have positive effects on bone strength, uh, but if you do high volume running repetitively, you know, you might have the risk increase of osteopenia or stress fracture, um, and stress fractures are relatively common in ultra running and you know stress fractures are usually due to overuse of strain on healthy bones so I think this makes sense um, about 20% of those that were participating in ultras had some type of stress fracture but uh, they also mentioned the importance of nutrition that and I think I just said 20% of people you know had stress fractures that's not true 20% of the reason for stress fractures in the ultra runners were um, due to inadequate uh, nutrition that related to their energy expenditure. So I think really focusing on nutrition and making sure you're getting high, high volume, it matters a lot there. Um, moving on to renal system, your kidneys, uh, during your, if you exercise, your renal blood flow is reduced um, because your cardiac output put is redirected to your muscles. So that's why you have lower renal function while you're exercising. Uh, and that can be severe during ultra races, especially if you're really in hot and humid conditions. Uh, so I would just say that they note, like really try to avoid taking NSAIDs during that because those can already, already be uh, difficult on the kidneys. And just people with any kind of genetic predisposition to kidney problems need to be really careful um, in uh, doing ultras. They do state that the renal issues are generally minor and they recover to baseline values within one to 10 days after an ultra. Uh, but it's just something to be aware of. And then just, you know, from a pharma perspective, I'm a pharmacist by training and just the NSAIDs, I really try to avoid those. I know we like to take them to help with pain, but... Um, they can be tough on the kidneys, especially in the case of, you know, if you're already dehydrated. 
Uh, gastrointestinal system is especially interesting to me. I've always had kind of trouble with that in running. Um, acute issues are really common with uh, 50 to 80% of ultra runners experience nausea, vomiting, and or diarrhea. Um, and prolonged running actually can cause some small intestinal damage and then increased intestinal permeability but they specifically state like that doesn't seem like it's, it causes any kind of long term. So they see it short term if you're looking for it, but it resolves like when the race is over. Um, but dehydration and any kind of um, hypoperfusion can you know cause some problems. Um, they also state that chronic GI issues, just be careful. Like if you're having chronic diarrhea, watch for your iron levels and other nutritional um, deficiencies. But they said in general, endurance exercise is associated with good benefits to the GI system. And what they state is that it they they say it's like a person that is and uh, has non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Um, you know, endurance exercise can help with that, uh, and also can have lower rates of colon cancer. So that's good for us runners. They state that that might be in part due to beneficial effects of exercise, specifically to the gut biome, uh, and that uh, the gut biome changes are associated with improvement in inflammatory markers and immune responses. So all good things. Uh, lots of information, as you can tell in this article. Moving on to the immune system. So the stress in endurance ex exercise can significantly impact immune function in the short term. I think we can all relate to that. Like I had in December, I know I did a long run in like kind of really chilly weather. I got cold, not that cold causes colds, but, um, and I hadn't gotten a lot of sleep. And what happened is I got really sick for the first time in a long time. So I think what happens is, you know, it just has a short term transient immunosuppression uh, following the event. And that really can increase your risk of clinical, um, both viral and bacterial infections. So right after the race, um, you know, really, not that you're not only wa already washing your hands, but really just trying to stay, especially if you have to fly, like wear the mask, I guess, you know, no matter what, even after COVID, um, but really trying to watch your immune system after the fact uh, is important. And then they talk about, you know, periods of overreaching can result in a longer lasting immuno, immune alteration and dysfunction. Um, but in general, uh, you know, it, it um, can, over time, your immune system gets stronger because of the exercise. It's just that short term right after the really difficult race or hard training. Okay, neurological effects and psychological effects. Um, this one is showing that uh, there was a substantial reduction in brain volume right after a race, um, but that brain volume returned to baseline with no signs of any kind of permanent lesions or damage. And again, that was after an ultra. Uh, Overall, lifelong endurance training helps maintain the cortical brain reserve. And because of that, endurance training is gonna be likely to have a positive impact rather than a negative impact on our neurological health later in life. So keep on running. Uh, you know, I think 
the one thing to note, and I will attest to this myself, is you know there's an addictive factor. So they do talk about that, how um, endurance exercise can have positive effects on depression and other mental health issues. Um, but that endurance athletes, and specifically, can kind of, you know can tend to have issues if they can't run, uh, and it's almost like self-medicating. So they do point that out. Uh, I will point out that they do discuss dermatological problems. So I'll just say, make sure you wear your sunglasses, wear a hat, wear sunscreen. Uh, and they stated they actually in their races and these ultras, only 62% of athletes use sunscreen, only a half uh, used a hat. So just make sure you're doing that. Um, I'm going to skip the part about youth athletes because I think that's not as relevant to our population, uh, but they do specifically talk about master's athletes. Um, they state that the average athlete or average age that most start in ultra is 35 years and that peak performance in ultras is usually between 35 and 50. Uh, and older age seems to be an advantage regarding mitigating overuse injuries um, just because we're more experienced. Uh, it says that masters athletes are usually masters ultra athletes are usually a generally a healthy population, lower all type mortality and increased life expectancy. Yay, yay! Uh, they exhibit good health, few chronic illnesses, a low use of the medical uh, care system. So I thought that was all pretty cool to hear, and just again more reason for us to keep running, whether it's an ultra or a five k. And they do talk a little bit about the female athlete triad and just importance of that um, and you know being mindful of the adverse changes in bone health, especially during menopause and increased risk of osteoporosis. Uh, so just taking the, that into account. Uh, as far as future considerations, um, they just state, you know, moderate physical activity is well known to have positive effects on health. It's preventative against numerous lifestyle-related diseases. It reduces all-cause mortality. Uh, and ultras are generally sa seem safe regarding the cardiovascular system uh, unless, you know, there's usually some kind of preconceived uh, or pre-existing condition, whether it's ki renal, kidney, or um, or cardiovascular. Uh, they state that, you know, future long-term impact needs to be considered um, and, you know, medical screening and long-term follow-up of athletes that are engaging in uh, regular endurance athlete that, or, you know, contests, you know, might be necessary. Uh, you know, and that's typical for research studies. You know, this was a great research, like uh, meta-analysis and review article, but, you know, it's almost always that we need more evidence. And I think that's the case, you know, for uh, running in general, just like every other sport or <laughs> most areas of science. So that was the article. I thought it was good. I think it's encouraging for us to keep running. If you're an ultra athlete, that's amazing. Keep it up. Just make sure that you're fueling properly, that you're hydrating properly, that you're not taking too many NSAIDs, and that you're adequately resting following your competitions. And if you are just uh, more like me and just doing shorter distances, um, you know, again, it's still the same messages of taking care of your body, listening to your body uh, and fueling, do the strength training and uh, keep it up. So see you next time. 
Thanks for listening to the Running After Age 40 podcast. If you like the show, please be sure to rate and give us a like in iTunes. Also check out our website, www.runningwithgrit.com for all things related to running over the age of 40. We have a special gift guide up for the holidays on the site designed to share stocking stuffer ideas and gifts for runners at pretty much every price. Thanks for listening.